0: John Kasich wants to cut red tape. Ted Strickland says he already has.
1: From the Patel Studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Bill Cohen, Statehouse Correspondent for Ohio Public Radio. Julie carr State Statehouse Correspondent for the Associated Press. Republican strategist Bob Clegg, and Michael Daniels,
0: co-publisher of Outlook Media. John Kasich this week continued his campaign theme that government bureaucracy is hurting Ohio's economy. Last week, the Republican said if he becomes governor, he will privatize the Department of Development. This week, he said his administration would work to reduce the stack of state regulations or at least improve efficiency. Now, you know, at the end of the day, if we can teach the bureaucrats, and we will, through the leadership we'll put in the various departments and agencies that we're going to work together, and by the way, if you're having trouble, you're going to call me. You got some knucklehead in there in an agency that doesn't want to listen. You got bureaucrats that are in there that don't want to listen and they frustrate our people. You're going to get to me, and we're going to deal with it. Bob, there goes the knucklehead vote. <laughs> Ted Strickland's contention, been there, done that. We have either
2: repealed or substantially modified over 2,000 state regulations, cutting red tape, trying to make it easier for small businesses to succeed in Ohio. We have, um, we have worked w- w- with the private sector. I'm proud of the fact that, that I have been able and willing to work with the private sector to create jobs in Ohio and um, I I guess three months ago, Ohio was third in the nation. Only two states in America had created more jobs
0: than we had. Bob Clegg, regulation can be a pain in the neck, but it also keeps the water clean, keeps the air clean and keeps businesses playing fair. Is regulation really the problem with Ohio's economy?
2: Uh, It's one of many. And I think this is one that uh, John Kasich wants to try to attack because it's one that government can play a big part in changing uh it's all about jobs i mean it's all about jobs even though the governor said we want the, we're the third highest in, in job creation in the last few months. We still have to, you know, over 10% unemployment. So I think w- what Kasich is doing is talking about, you know, let's streamline everything. Let's try to do everything we can within state government to make it user-friendly for businesses to want to come to Ohio. Now, we're going to have to do other things, but that's the one thing you can do, and you can probably do par-
0: fairly quickly to make changes. TED STRICKLAND CLAIMS HE'S DONE SOME OF THAT.
1: I think he has done some of that. I think uh, this is a great election year issue. We saw in the last cycle both candidates neutralized each other on this. Both uh, Strickland and Ken Blackwell said they were going to fix this. Uh, Ted Strickland took some steps toward that um, and it strikes me as a very appealing message to your business base if you're a Republican and and uh, even if you're a moderate Democrat.
3: And there's a legislative bill, or a couple of them, I think, uh, knocking around. That I think one of them has passed maybe both chambers, but there's different versions of it. And uh, because legislators want to be able to say that they've done something to cut down bureaucracy. But uh, with this kind of uh, partisan bickering right now, uh, I think it's doubtful that they're going to maybe come to an agreement.
4: And I, I think this is a smart move on K6 part for, for two reasons to come out with this commercial. Because one, it's a way among voters to basically say big government is bad. Government that throws roadblocks up in the way is bad. Now, I'm not so sure how many people actually go into the polls and think, hmm, I wonder how hard it is to open a business and how many forms I have to fill out. I, d- I really don't think that's a big voter issue, um, but being able to point to it just being an issue of big government. On the other side of things, it really helps their fundraising efforts, because every time he talks about decreasing regulation, there are a lot of members of Chambers of Commerce that, that write more checks.
0: Does he, really want to make regulations easier to understand, Bob, or does he want to do away with them?
4: I think he
2: probably wants to do away with those that need to be <laughs> done away with, that are just are nothing but a roadblock and and, and do uh, little to nothing. But I think he's probably talking about making sure that the state of Ohio isn't requiring more than what it needs from these companies that are looking to come and relocate here. I mean, I agree with Michael. I mean, it's, it's, it's it, this is kind of a no-brainer thing. I, if you look at what he's doing here and what he did last week with privatizing the Department of Development, Obviously, he's setting the stage for a just a job creation type uh, platform that he's running on because obviously we have a problem with jobs in Ohio.
1: Well, and he's also setting the stage uh, twice in two press conferences that you know you can come directly to him, uh, which is very appealing out on the stump, but. I mean, how can a state with 11 million people, how can everybody call the governor every time they have a problem?
3: The thing is, both of these candidates are, are making proposals and so forth that are, I think, trying to divert people's attention from a really big question that neither of them has answered. And that is, what are you going to do about this 4 to $8 billion hole in the next state budget? Kasich said last month, oh, I, I will finally tell you in August, August is almost over. We really haven't heard. Well,
0: we got a, we got a couple of days left. We might hear. But does, on the other hand I know this uh, this platform deregulation, privatizing the Department of development helps him with business people, but does it also help Ted Strickland in that he's trying to paint John uh, Kasich as a friend of big business of, of Wall Street but and this is helping big business or yeah, business but it would also
2: help to create jobs. And that's the overriding theme to all of this, is the creation of jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody understands to create jobs, you have to create a positive environment for business to want to come here. And this is just one part of many parts, whether it's the privatization of the, the Department of Development or, or this plan, um, it's, you know, you've got to bring it all together.
0: Does the l- fewer regulations argument hold less water now in the wake of the Wall Street Collapse and the BP oil spill in the Gulf are people perhaps a little less fearful of regulation.
4: I think it depends on what regulation you're talking about, and, and you know, as people who work in the business sector all the time, i you know, Bob and I don't run oil companies, so yeah. we're, we're the odds are we're probably not going to cause a big a big spill. I think that the type of of regulation stuff that Kasich's talking about phasing out, and that Strickland says he's already done. Um, isn't the things that are going to pollute the air and the water and make it unsafe to drive down the street and all that sort of thing? I think it's all it's th- it's the why do I have to fill out 19 forms in triplicate and file copy number two with this office and wait for six weeks? And um, I mean, I literally just paid my my uh, workers' comp payment for for my company not too long ago, and then I filed eight pages of documentation to write the state a check for eleven dollars.
1: And the the uh <laughs> <laughs> true story. <laughs> the message of these both these proposals also gets at the big the big government idea that Kasich is running against and says he's going to trim that back and and back to what Bill says you know um, that is is a resonant theme until you say well one big government is gone you know then what is your campaign going to do to to uh, Close that budget gap, you know, who whose jobs are gonna be lost. One of the studies I saw recently, a lot of the job losses that they're fighting about in the ads are public sector job losses. Yeah. So it's a catch twenty two.
0: Okay. Our next topic, it took a second effort, but Ohio has won federal education funding in the race to the top competition. In round two of the awards, Ohio won four hundred million dollars. Local school districts stands to benefit if they took part in the program. Nearly half of the state's districts declined to participate because they could not get their administrators, school board, and teachers' union to sign off on the application. Julie Carr-Smythe, what are students gonna see as a result of this money?
1: Well, um, I think particularly in in the struggling districts, they're going to see um, some direct uh, money I think the the grant application said half of the money has to go directly to school so the state will have to figure out a way to put that into classrooms into programs that are going to uh, increase we just saw today in the in the report card that our graduation rate is again down when it was supposed to be under this program rising so you know they're gonna have to do something to get kids to stay in school to finish school um, and also teacher jobs Uh, probably will be a bit safer.
3: When you ask this question, this is the question most people want to know. Okay, we're getting all this money, what's it going to be used for? Uh, And so reporters did ask that of some school officials this past week. When our bureau's Karen Kassler asked school superintendent uh, Deborah Delisle specifically, okay, where's this money going? She said this, and this is a virtual quote, uh, providing professional development for the rollout of the Common Core and the new science and social studies standards, deepening our work around the statewide longitudinal data system, we're capturing the student growth model of the value added in deeper ways. This is the kind of answer, (laughs) (laughs) this symbolizes why so many Ohio taxpayers and parents don't trust the education establishment, Mm -hmm. and they suspect that all these billions of dollars we pay every year are are going down the tubes, are not really getting into the classroom. So was it the longitudinal thing that helped Ohio win this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no. From what I understand, it was because New Jersey made a mistake. and that helped. <laughs> uh, and, and, and if you ask me, now I know I'm biased in this, but if you ask me, Uh, It was easier for them to award this to a state whose governor is a Democrat running for re-election than it would be to to offer it to a state where the governor's a Republican who isn't up front. You know, he had just won. So, uh, yeah, New Jersey and its governor, Chris Christie, was not happy that they lost this money due to a clerical error that they had with their application. They apparently
0: gave the wrong year's budget data, so it cost them up to five points they lost by three, three so conceivably they could have made it up but also they would have won hands down had their teachers union signed off on right. New, Jersey, New Jersey's proposal that happened a lot in Ohio a district said the union said no we don't want any part of that why wouldn't want? they want some of this money?
4: That's a great question <laughs> <laughs> it, really, yeah, it really is a good question because I think Julie's right I think that as as some of this money comes in, I think it is going to make a, a certain number of educators' jobs safer. I mean, teachers are always sitting on the, the the unions are always sitting on a knife's edge. You listen to them in Columbus City Schools every year screaming and yelling when the district lays off however many hundred teachers that it does and then almost invariably hires them all back in the fall, but you can't predict retirements and all that sort of thing. Um, Theoretically, if there was more money there, you would think that the teachers' unions would be on board with that and there'd be a certain amount of of more stability.
1: But the programs that some of the states were advancing in order to get the money, uh, some of those included very direct performance evaluations of the teachers based on whether or not their students do well, yeah. which is something that teachers unions have been resistant to. How can I be held responsible if Billy or Susie comes to school and doesn't have a breakfast and isn't paying attention, and I have all these discipline problems, and I'm doing my job as best I can. So that's that's been one of the, the sticking points with the uh, grant makers.
0: What's the impact on school levies? A lot of school levies, school districts are going out for more tax money this fall. Some districts that said we're not going to take this money are asking voters for more money. Other districts that are asking voters for more money are getting this money. What's the impact on how voters view their local okay. property taxes? And
4: it's going to work in both ways. There are going to be voters who say, you just got money from this race to the top. Why are you asking for a property tax increase? I'm going to vote no. And there are going to be those folks in the other districts. That, that say look you didn't participate in this you didn't you didn't ask for federal money you must think your funding's fine why are you coming back to me for this they're not going to care about union squabbles or superintendent issues or any of that other stuff um, where it will help of course is in the districts that that um, you know did apply for it uh, but but aren't getting as much as perhaps they need or whatever. I think th- those kinds of districts are going to be able to go forward and say we've done everything we can we have a little bit of money coming in but we need a little bit of help and if, if you were sitting in a place where there was a you know a, I don't know, a one and a half mill levy and you can lower it to a, to a mill and say, because we participated in this. If somebody's that smart, I think that you can fly it through. And
3: local levies are pretty much for day-to-day operating expenses, but this <coughs> raised to the top money. A lot of it was teacher training and yeah. that kind of stuff. And the voters may not understand that th- that money can't really cross
4: over there. And I think I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think that most people don't understand the difference between capital budgets and non-capital budgets. People think you can turn bridges into, into paper uh, and pencils and vice versa. Um, when it's hard enough to sell that to voters to make them understand no one's going to get the intricacies of this I would almost guarantee the superintendents those districts don't know what they can and cannot do with
1: no although I think superintendents statewide even with just the state formula uh, you know occasionally uh, fantasize about completely giving up state aid and thinking they could go it on their own because our state aid comes with so many hoops you have to jump through to get it and so I think some of them must have made a calculation that it wasn't worth it wasn't okay. worth the participation.
0: Okay. Our next topic. The U.S. Senate race continues to plug quietly along. <laughs> Republican Rob Portman continues his hard hat factory tour of Ohio, touting his jobs plan and criticizing stimulus spending and health care reform. Lee Fisher is touting his plan for job creation and trying to tie Rob Portman to George W. Bush and trade agreements, which Fisher claims outsourced Ohio jobs. Michael Daniels were a week from September. Are Democrats excited about Lee Fisher
4: yet? Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, this, this is perhaps the most milk toast Senate race I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, neither one of them is a very appealing candidate. Neither one of them is really doing, uh, doing or saying a whole lot of anything. Um, I don't think anybody's excited. I don't think, I don't think Republicans are excited because it's already a Republican seat. So if Portman wins, it's a hold. That's nice. Yeah. um i don't think democrats are excited because lee fisher's running
1: (laughs) well and you and you do throw in there i mean george voinovich whose seat this is 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 this odd combination of sort of he's he's a republican and he's conservative on certain issues he's also uh really sensitive to the urban issues of cleveland and where he came from and he he jumps party lines and he's you know he's a lot of fun to pay attention to and and neither of these guys has really got um um, much of that scintillating side. that (laughs) at least that they've shown us yet Mm -hmm.
0: Tying Rob Portman to George W. Bush, an obvious strategy. He was his trade representative, budget director, two of the big things that the Bush administration faces criticism on. How do you fight that, Bob?
2: Well, how you fight it is you talk about double-digit unemployment here in Ohio and the fact that Lee Fisher was the director of development and was responsible for job creation, and we ended up losing almost 400,000 jobs. So that's how you counteract it. Unlike Michael, I'm excited about this race because <laughs> I think we're going to win it. And the polling in the last 10 days has Portman opening up, up around a eight-point lead on Fisher. And, and what, what you're starting to see is these races, the governor's race too, is starting to settle into the political environment and it's not just ohio it's other states like pennsylvania and in illinois where the gubernatorial candidates are starting to you know break away and get around eight to ten point leads and um, heading up to labor day and in being uh, an incumbent governor or the challenger in the yeah, on the democrat side in the senate race and being almost 10 points down is not where you want to be
4: and in, in this senate race you look at not only the 10 points down but the financial disparity oh nobody's one, no, no, one nobody's hit television yet but the truth is that that portman can do to fisher this fall what fisher did to to brunner in the primary
3: i was just going to say uh, fisher's been saying uh, you know he's been asked well you're you got seven million fewer dollars and so forth uh, he says, Well, I'm going to do a grassroots campaign. We'll have our people go door to door. And, like you just hinted, well, hey, that's what Jennifer Bruner did, and she got beaten. So, this is not good symbolism. Maybe
2: right? Lee will get Jennifer's bus, it's and he can sold. take that around the state.
0: Jennifer's already sold her bus.
2: Channel he 10 hasn't bought it. Yeah.
0: Channel, Channel 10 bought Jennifer Bruner's bus.
2: Is that <laughs> artifact?
0: No, they're going to use it for voter, voter awareness, awareness or something awareness. like that. <laughs> he Fisher Lee Fisher says he's counting on organized labor in the National Democratic in the state Democratic Party and National Democrats to help him are they going to come to his aid
1: Uh, the National Democrats have already uh, sort of been whispering about the fact that they're very uh, disinterested in in throwing a whole bunch of money and Rob Portman has a huge Amount of money, I'm, it slipped my mind how much he has right million. now. Nine <laughs> million. Yeah, knows. one of the one of the biggest uh, <laughs> war chests, I guess, in the country, and, and uh, you know they would have to spend a lot of money on that.
2: Now, Mike, who do you think the national Party's going to help?
4: Harry Reid
2: or Lee Fisher? That's <laughs> I mean, the tra- their problem. The yeah. traditional strategy is symbolism.
4: That the traditional strategy is that you first spend money in the in the tight races where you can hold, mm-hmm. and you second spend money in the tight races where you can pick up a seat. And then you spend money in the not-tight races where you might be able to hold. <laughs> and then lastly, you spend money in the not-tight races where you might be able to pick up a seat. And that's not going to... I don't think it's
0: going to happen. Not happen on this one. Um, Rob Portman said, told the New York Times, the world has moved on from George W. Bush. Have the voters moved on?
4: Two years is an eternity. Yeah. Yeah. 10 term. days is an eternity.
0: <laughs> OK, our last topic. Columbus and Ohio lost two influential political figures this week. Former Columbus City Council member Jerry Hammond died at the age of 76. He was the city's first African-American City Council president and a role model for current mayor Michael Coleman. And former U.S. Senator and U.S. Attorney General William Saxby died this week at the age of 94. The former Speaker of the Ohio House and U.S. Senator indeed was a maverick. He used blunt language to let his feelings be known, even criticizing the policies of Richard Nixon, the man who appointed him Attorney General of the United States. Bill Cohen, William Saxby, how will he be remembered?
3: Uh, as a blunt-talking, average kind of guy uh, who was a small-town guy and who made it big and who went to Washington and spoke his spoke his mind. Uh, even before Watergate broke, he was calling uh, Nixon aides Haldeman and Ehrlichman Nazis for the way they tried to strong-arm Republicans into voting a conservative line. He was very moderate on some issues. The Tea Party people would hate him today. Uh, Spiro Agnew uh, called him and, and the GOP moderates uh, uh, radical liberals. And, uh, you know, he was the one with that famous quote on Watergate saying, you know, oh, when, when Nixon says uh, he didn't know about Watergate, uh, that's like the piano player in a brothel saying he didn't know what was going on upstairs. So that got a <laughs> lot of publicity. And even, even though he said that, you know, there he is. Nixon appoints him attorney general during the peak of the Watergate mess.
0: Wh- why did Nixon do that? If he's calling his aides Nazis, it, he's not going to be top on my list. I mean, well, one there reason was a different Well, one reason
3: was he really needed somebody quick because he'd just yeah. gotten rid of the folks who were really delving into Watergate. And so Nixon knew that uh, he could get pretty quick confirmation of Saxby as attorney general. I think that's one reason. The other reason was, I think, to show that, OK, I'm, I'm totally open. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to thwart this investigation. This guy's mm-hmm. criticized me. Bring him on. Mm-hmm. Could a person like that get elected? could a Republican, Bob,
0: like that get elected right now
3: ah it's a
0: different time
2: different time i mean but uh, you know maybe uh you know i just think he had a great i mean you just look at his career as a public servant and i mean it's one that politicians today should look at and you know try to emulate if they if they can but times have changed and you know somebody like this is tough to find
0: is there anyone currently that Strikes you as being kind of like him, who's willing to buck his or her party right now. Are you
1: talking about his son, Rocky? Yeah, <laughs> possibly, yeah. <laughs> Who uh, came out in favor of Governor Strickland mm-hmm. uh, and uh, sort of led a Republican, uh, moderate Republican group that was going to favor Strickland in the election. And uh, actually, Rocky then went on to just recently uh, represent the Strickland administration's public safety director in a really controversial uh, mm-hmm. hearing. And so, um, The tradition lives on, I guess.
3: The maverick streak. One thing about Rocky, uh, uh, you know, the elder Saxby was a pilot in World War II and in the Korean War, uh, and yet he played a role in a way of boosting anti-war sentiment during Vietnam because Rocky joined the Marines. He wrote his dad a letter saying, Dad, Uh, I think this war is unwinnable. Uh, Nixon said he was going to get us out of it. He hasn't done that. I'm really disillusioned. The Elder Saxby wrote back a somewhat sympathetic letter, and both letters wound up getting into the congressional record. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of made the opposition to the Vietnam War a little more respectable. It was, you know, okay, it's not all uh, drug-induced hippies who are protesting. You've got a middle-class senator who's willing to listen to anti-war sentiment and his son who's in the Marines. So I think that really played a, a big role. Well, you have a piece of memorabilia you wanted to show us? Yeah, I took a poster, a big poster of Saxby from his 1968 uh, Senate race to him about a decade ago and said, would you please sign it and write something, anything about Watergate? Well he wrote something very simple, very symbolic of him, his blunt words, all he wrote was Nixon knew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Is that that hanging somewhere in your office or your your home? That's
3: down at the State House in the basement.
0: (laughs) Jerry Hammond also passed away this week. Legendary figure in in Columbus politics, first African-American president of city council. Mike Coleman says he he wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a a guy like Jerry Hammond. Thoughts about Jerry? I
1: I covered Jerry Hammond when I was a journalism student at Ohio State and they were some lively meetings. I, (laughs) (laughs) you probably remember.
4: He was, uh, I've only been around, I've only been in the city for about eight years, but I mean his his reputation, he he was just a voracious, advocate for what he believed columbus could be and that was not just downtown development and all that but pushing forward things like the um uh, the community shelter board which has become sort of a, a, something that can be emulated nationally he was just he very 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 passionately believed in columbus and in his version of columbus and i think that again um you know buck reinhardt even said you know, they would just go toe to toe and scream and yell and go crazy. And then when it was all over, they'd go have coffee and, 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 and drinks friends. and then kind of, and kind of get over it. Um, and I think that's part of, of what, you know, we can do on this show, but it's what's missing in politics today is the ability to have that sort of, of, of heated discussion, but still be civil and like one another outside of it.
2: He was a great guy. I, I knew him. I thought he was a great guy. Funny, really funny. And he really, really, like Michael said, he loved this city. And uh, once again, somebody else that, that today's politicians could look at and and learn a thing or two
4: from.
0: OK. Let's get to our final off-the-record parting shots. Michael Daniels, you're up first.
4: Right. The city of, of Columbus Department of Police has decided that they're, uh, they're going to uh, go after Police officers who uh, have tattoos, they're actually going to ask them to cover them up while they're on duty. Um, And I want to do a special shout out to WOSU, who does actually not make me do that on on this show. That's right. I appreciate that.
2: That's right. Bob. Uh, I predict that Ted Strickland will come out with at least one policy proposal before the
0: election. (laughs) Okay, we'll see. Julie. I
1: have a very exciting prediction, which is uh, that, you know, sources are telling us the budget commission down at the State House is going to actually solve the budget crisis before the election and come out with a detailed report. And of course, I'm kidding. Oh, I to <laughs> <gonna> say,
0: <laughs> and then Kasich and Strickland will be the first to endorse it. Right, the <laughs> exactly. Then so, Bill.
3: Just an observation here. Remember when there was a lawmaker who said, uh, there are too many ballot issues initiated by citizens. We've got to make it harder to pass them. Let's make it 67% approval to pass them. Well, that plan's dead on arrival. But just uh, this November's ballot is a, a signal that that proposal isn't needed, because we have absolutely no proposals on the statewide ballot. Groups tried. They didn't come up with enough signatures. And so there's the bottom line is uh, the voters have never been deluged with a whole lot of issues. We Maybe we average to a year.
0: Okay. And my final thought is a request to pick your brain. WOSU is looking to form a pool of listeners and viewers to help us with our programming. What topics should we be covering? What topics should we avoid? If you'd like to take part, go to our website wosu.org for more information. Of course, you can also check us out on Facebook and even on Twitter. I've posted a bunch of uh, new campaign ads on Facebook. Check them out. Both pro Kasich, anti Kasich, pro Strickland, anti. They're all there. Check it out, WSU.org slash coder. It's all all the links are there. I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.